Inter Miami was much improved, but the result was not the desired one. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Miami Total Football Radio, an Inter Miami focused podcast, providing you all the latest news, updates, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much more. We've been listened to in more than 50 countries, as you may have heard, and we also go by the name of Miami Total Football Radio. I am Franco Panizo. I am one of your usual co-hosts, and joining me is one of the other usual co-hosts. He wasn't here at the tail end of last week, but he's back in the mix, and that, of course, is Steve El Primo Brenner. Steve, excuse me, how are you doing today? How's everything, and how are the folks? I got to meet the lovely Brenner Padres, the Brenner mom and dad, the legends that created El Primo over the weekend at Drive Pink Stadium. We actually pulled up to the parking lot at the same time they were much more pleasant with their hello than you because you just flicked me off for some reason (laughs) (laughs) well you deserve it you deserve it now and then just a little flick that's okay um all good thanks man yeah they enjoyed they went to two games they went to the the u.s open cup and then they were so uh in love with the inter miami experience they actually went to the to the game on on saturday so two contrasting performances and certainly experiences the atmosphere but they um they thought the atmosphere of the U.S. Open Cup was great. And then, of course, on Saturday night, it was much more of a... They just loved one of the guys uh, behind the goal for, in La Familia actually standing on top of one of the seats for pretty much the whole 90 minutes. That much. My mum actually took a, uh, a still uh, some, some video of him standing up because it's just, you know, they go to West Ham, you know, every other week. Uh, they have season tickets. But the atmosphere, just in the way they the fans sort of seeing and, and get get the team going is, is quite unique really so they were they enjoyed that immensely and um yeah it's, it's been it's been really nice will they make it to sunday's game against the new york red bulls are they still in town for that one will they make it uh, a yeah. three a three four can't keep them away yeah can't keep them away i think my dad my dad actually may be on the bench so um, yeah. <laughs> nice a triple header by the way i did enjoy some some uh analytical talk with your father he was providing some good analysis there from his opinion. He gave me some good, uh, some good little feedback on a few players there. I don't know. He's giving you a run for your money, Steve. I might, I might have to have El Papa Brenner on, El Papa Primo on. Oh well, there you go, transfer. But I'll, I'll speak, <laughs> speak to my agent. Speak to my agent, yeah. my, who is also my mother. <laughs> just like, just like, just like Messi. Yeah. Nice. Well, well, we are going to talk about that. Actually, we're going to talk about Messi because he's popped up in the headlines yet again, linked with Inter Miami yet again. And of course, we're going to dive into this past weekend's game, a two-to-two draw against DC United. We will also preview on this week's podcast the match against the Philadelphia Union, and of course, finish off with the Q&A session at the very end. So, Steve, you ready? Let's do it. Okay, let's get to it. Okay, Steve, before we dive into the X's and O's of Saturday's 2-2 draw at home at Drive Stadium against DC United, let's touch on... The latest news, the biggest news, which is Lionel Messi's being linked with Inter Miami yet again. There was a report that came out on Monday afternoon, evening, saying that he was set to sign a contract with the team for summer of 2023. And as part of that deal, he was going to get 35% ownership of Inter Miami. That has then since been refuted by another report saying that 
that's not true and that Messi is focused on PSG and the World Cup and that any decision he'll make in the future will come at a later date. The question to you, Primo, is what do we make of all of this hoopla, of all this latest rounds of, or these latest rounds of rumors regarding Lionel Messi to Inter Miami? I mean, you know, it's never going to go away. And you only got to look at David Beckham's Instagram to see that the, the sort of company that he, he keeps. He was with Mbappe and Neymar the other day. We, we believe that he's in Qatar right now. I think Messi has been in, in Qatar uh, I did a story a couple of weeks ago about James Rodriguez. He had lunch with James Rodriguez. The guy knows everyone and, and has that kind of pull. So he's always going to get linked. Whether or not the details of the story are 100% correct, 35% seems a lot to me. I checked it out with one source into Miami. They seem to believe that, yeah, the, st- the story's correct. It's, it's going to happen. But there's still a lot of water to, you know, to go under the bridge. He's still got another year left in, in Paris. Still got the World Cup to come. So a lot of things can change. But I think we can, as we sit here now, I think if, if, if he does come to MLS, he's surely going to come here. I would have I, I would have thought. I'd be very surprised if he went uh, any anywhere else. But, you know, th- with these stories, there's always claims and counterclaims and everything like that. But I think the key player in, in all of this is, is, is Beckham. I don't think any other team has that, that kind of pull. Um, so we'll just have to wait and just see how it all pans out but you know imagine if 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 they do sign him whether or not he's going to be 35 or 36 it'll still be a sensational few months for certainly for us in the media uh, and and for the fans because i think even a 36 year old lionel messi could definitely do a job in mls so i wouldn't i i think there's definitely something to the story i i, I don't know if the 35 percent sounds a lot i mean it's similar to when beckham you know joined la galaxy in 2007 he was given you know the the go-ahead to, to purchase the franchise when he finished. So it's something like that. I think you made the point to me on, on text yesterday, the Adidas connection, Messi and Beckham, both Adidas players. Uh, Adidas, obviously. MLS is a, 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 Adidas is an MLS sponsor, big MLS sponsor. So that's, I mean, that's, that's big as well. Can you, so you can imagine written in, in, into these contracts or different kinds of little sweeteners. So um, I think, is it nailed on? No. Is it possible? I think 100%. What do you think? I think it's 100% possible that he comes here. Or that at least Inter Miami makes a very, very strong push to try to bring him here. Whether it's in 2023, whether it's in the second half of this year, whatever it is, I think at some point Inter Miami is going to make a very strong push. And MLS is going to make a very strong push to bring Messi here. Because obviously if you bring Messi here... How many eyeballs are going to be tuning into MLS on a regular basis? How many more eyeballs are going to be tuning into MLS on a regular basis? Now you, now not now now not only are you MLS that has you know some interesting players gener- in general. Now you have Lionel Messi, who's the greatest player probably of this generation. I know you know some listeners might argue Cristiano Ronaldo, but one of the best players of this generation. Someone that's going to be a media magnet any goal he scores any game he's in how much more attention does that bring the league it would be like you mentioned like when david beckham came on in what year was that 20 2007 yeah 2007 yeah it would be like that obviously messi is a much better player than david beckham but but in terms (laughs) i know that goes against your english your english core but just generally speaking Messi would bring that type of media attention to MLS. Oh, it would be massive. It would be absolutely 
huge. Yeah. So Global. I think yeah. So I think just because of all of that, MLS and Inter Miami will make a very serious push at some point. Now, is it will it be enough to get him to sign and convince him to sign? We'll see. But I absolutely, I think I said this on uh, MLS Space a couple of weeks ago with David Goss when he had me on as a guest. 100% expect them to give Messi a sweetheart deal. Where it's something along these lines. I don't know if, it, you know, I don't know the exact details. I can't confirm this report or deny this report. But I would expect it to be a sweetheart deal like that. Where they give him ownership of a team after he retires or ownership of a team in general. Um, or a percentage of an ownership team. Where Adidas is, you know, they're going to try to sell him on the fact that he can raise his profile and make a lot more money here in the United States, or make a lot of uh, a lot of money. <laughs> you know, he's making pretty good coin right now uh, at PSG. But it's going to be a sweetheart deal that they're going to offer him. I have to imagine that with everything that that you just touched on, Adidas, you know, all the corporate sponsors that could come. You know, it would raise the overall awareness of his brand to maybe a section of people who might know who he is. You know, uh, a general public that might know who he is, but that hasn't followed him tremendously. So. I imagine they will go full court press and they will offer him a deal that's probably too good to be true to try to land him. Now, if, now if that convinces him or not, again, we will see. We will see. But I would not be surprised if we see Lionel Messi donning that pink and black jersey at some point before he, he retires. I think Inter Miami will make a very, very strong push uh, at some point. And, and Jorge Mas has talked about it. Jorge Mas has said, they want players of that caliber, and he, I think he's even mentioned Lionel Messi specifically by name, that, that he believes that Messi will play for Inter Miami at some point. I, I, you know, the, the denial of the report, I don't know, I don't, again, I can't verify, or I haven't been able to verify the, the, you know, the credibility of the initial report, but the, it did come out to me like a little surprising, because essentially what they're saying is that he's already agreed to a deal as of today which he's under contract right now with PSG. So technically, that would be tampering. Right? Like you're not you're not allowed to to just talk to someone about a future contract unless they're 6 months like 6 months away from being a free agent. So Yeah, and you know, the other thing is that PSG have announced that you know, their spon- their advertising revenues and the you know, again, the amount of sp- uh, revenue they've brought in from shirt sales and all that has sort of has escalated immeasurably up you know because of Messi so they you know they've got a big asset that they've paid a lot of money for they don't want to lose him as well so there's going to be a, a claim and counterclaim we're not talking about he's going to leave right this second we're talking about in a year's time so again it's, it's still a year it's a hell of a long time um, and a lot of things can change but definitely the intention is 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 there but we and anyone could have anyone could have said that you know six ten months ago two years ago they were going to try and buy these kind of players but now it's getting to the point where it seems more tangible than, than before i think mls will want Messi here 100 percent. mls will want him here regardless of what team it is mls will want him here now if he goes to a team like miami you know with with all all the eyeballs and uh all, all of the beckham brand that surrounds it mls would probably be very very happy with that let's not forget the designated player rule the roster mechanism came into effect because of David Beckham. So MLS is not stranger, not alien to creating new things to make to help make some acquisition like this happen. So we'll see what happens with regards to Lionel Messi and MLS. The news keeps happening, it keeps coming up, the rumors keep happening, excuse me. So, you know, where there's smoke, I think there's fire, especially when there's this much smoke. So 
again, we'll keep an eye on that for now. But let's dive into this past weekend's game, Primo, because Inter-Miami dropped points at home yet again after having a 2-0 lead. Now, this was the lineup that Inter-Miami went with. It was the 4-3-3 from Phil Neville, Drake Callender in goal, the back four from right to left, DeAndre Yedlin, Damian Lowe, Christopher McVeigh, Kieran Gibbs, your midfield three were Gregory, Gene Mota, and Bryce Duke. And then your front three from right to left were Robert Taylor, Leonardo Campana, and Ariel Lasseter. Robbie Robinson, who normally starts on the left side, was out due to concussion protocols, which came a few days after that physical altercation that he had with Jake Dangler in the Open Cup match against Tormenta FC. So Robbie Robinson, not in the match day roster. The goals from Inter-Miami came in the 31st minute from Leonardo Campana, then in the 45th minute from Damien Lowe. But before they could get to halftime with that 2-0 lead, Taxi Fontas scores for DC United and gives them a lifeline. A lifeline they capitalized on in the second half. Ola Kamara finds the equalizer in the 74th minute. And that's all she wrote for this one. There was a late red card to DC United. Chris Durkin got a second yellow. And that gave Inter-Miami a main advantage for four or five minutes in stoppage time. But not enough time. Or at least they, they, couldn't, they couldn't make the difference in that time. So it's a draw at home at Drive Pink Stadium. Performance was much better than Tormenta FC. The result was not. Primo, what were your thoughts? What's your analysis on this match? Well, I think, you know, when we spoke to Phil Neville afterwards, he was pretty crestfallen and very disappointed. I just think it felt it felt like a defeat, um, even though they sort of, you know, managed to get to get a draw just because of the, the differences in, in what would happen if they would have got the three points to go up the table. But even just, you know, looking at the stats, boss possession, 57% possession, um, had, you know, had more shots, more shots on goal. You know, they, they played well. They just weren't able to capitalise. I think that, that, as you said, that goal just before half-time was a, was an absolute killer because that that sent DC United who hadn't really been in the game too much in the first half that gave them put a spring in their step in the second half I thought as as Inter Miami kind of tired and you know uh, Bryce Duke who had been doing really well I'm sure you're going to disagree here but I think they started to look a bit a bit tired and a bit you know he needed to sort of freshen freshen things up and they just kind of lost their way a bit and um look, I think it would have been a tragedy if they would have lost the game but. Um, it was one where at 2-0 you felt that they were really comfortable but at 2-1 they were sort of hanging on a little bit and it didn't really create too much in the second half did they? No they, they did not so you know I, I liked the first half from them the second half I didn't hate it but it wasn't it wasn't a great half from them from a soccer standpoint from a football standpoint I'm glad we have you on the podcast for this discussion though Primo because I want to ask you was this performance were you pleased with this performance? As Sven Goran Eriksson, former England manager, says, first half good, second half not so good. But overall, on the balance, on if if you put the game okay. on a scale, did you like it? Yes or no? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to a point. I mean, didn't like the result. No, and I, I think you know it's a shame they couldn't. Even when he made the changes, did, did they influence the game as much as as possible? Maybe not. Maybe could Iguain been brought on a little bit sooner? Maybe. Um, but again, it's the old it's the old thing, isn't it? Where we haven't they haven't got too much, too many options off the um, off off the bench. But this ah, it's disappointing, really, because they played. I think if they'd gone in at two 0 it would have been a different game. So you know that's the that's the margin you're talking about. Did they play better in this game than they did against Miami FC way back when? Well, like, yeah, it was a few weeks I ago. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, don't you? 
I, I do, absolutely, but I, don't, I was just curious because that's why, remember I was telling you I thought your your viewpoint of saying that game was good enough because of because they, they won when the performance left a lot to be desired. So, wasn't it? Different match, different different situation, turf pitch, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, different situation. You can't just look at one game and just... I, well, I, that's what I'm saying, because you were very resultadista that day and being like, oh, well, it was good enough because they won. And I, Again, we, we analyzed the performance as well as the result. Yes, this result left something to be desired, but in my opinion, they showed more from a football standpoint, more than we've seen from them for almost all of this season. I think there's reasons for that that we'll dive into, but I came away, I won't say encouraged, but with good sensations about maybe the direction the team's headed in because they showed a little bit more from a soccer standpoint. They outpossessed DC United, they outshot DC United, so this was a game that Inter-Miami looked good in or looked better in than it has for much of this year. And that that gives me good feelings or good sensations for what's ahead. Obviously, the schedule doesn't get much easier, especially on Wednesday night. But if they can continue to include some of these elements in their performances, especially with the ball, I think that gives them a much better chance to come out victorious and to get results on a more consistent basis. Something I think Phil Neville even said at the end of his of his press conference on Saturday, just with regards to if they continue to put out these type of performance levels, they'll they'll get the points that they're looking for. At least that's the hope. So, Steve, let's jump into why this team was able to play better in this game. Obviously, DC United has gone through a coaching change. They're not necessarily one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. There was also a weather delay here. There was a, what was it, at least a, what, a couple hours, maybe? Two, um, no, about an hour, about an hour. Was it just an hour? It felt it felt like a lot longer, because we were actually having, a lot of us media members in the press box, we were having a long, long discussion about Inter-Miami and the state of the team and the players. It, like A few people even jokingly said, man, we should have done a podcast live and right here, because we were having, it was actually in Spanish, I think, and I think you actually ducked out, I think you went to go be with your parents for a bit, so um, it, de- it definitely felt longer than an hour, but regardless, there was a weather delay in this one. Steve, why was this team able to play a bit better in this game? Again, I've touched on DC United not being a great team, having gone on a coaching change, but why were they able to play better in this one? I don't think I think midfield probably worked worked better. I thought uh, Robert Taylor looked pretty lively. He, he just when he gets the ball, he has a bit of purpose about him, doesn't he? He he goes forward, he drives forward, tries to make things happen. He's not he's not not a passive player. And I think with Motta and, and Gregory just sort of you know keeping it solid in in midfield, I think Taylor just has that opportunity just to sort of push forward. And I thought Bryce Duke buzzed around you know quite nicely and was getting involved and stuff. So that. Sort of, I know they were playing like a three at top and then a three in midfield, but the, those players seemed to be gelling pretty, pretty well together, and it was working well. And you know, they had to make a change early on. Kieran Gibbs got injured, um, so they were slightly disrupted, but it didn't disrupt them too much. And um, you know, they were, yeah, I thought in midfield they were they were on top, and that and that shows those possession stats are quite revealing, aren't they? I mean, fifty-seven percent possession compared to forty-two showed that they kept the ball pretty well. And also had a better passing accuracy, eighty-one percent compared to seventy-five percent. I know I'm going off football manager here, but um, <laughs> no. But the, I mean, these are these are. Look, I, I I'm not a huge stats guy when it comes to soccer, but if stats can support what the eye what the eye see, 
then you know then I'm then I'm for it. I'm for listening to it as a tool to make an argument. But that's and just... and also, I mean, total passes four hundred fifty four compared to three twenty eight. Right. So, so Inter, Inter Miami looked like the, the home team. Well. Inter Miami looked like the home team for once, as opposed to being the counter attacking yeah. team that we've seen. This was a, this was a game where they knocked the ball around and they they created from that from that facet of play. And the first goal. Great movement from Leonardo Campana to, to to receive a pass, play it out wide, make the run back into the into the penalty area, and then get on the end of the low cross from Ariel Lasseter. So, some better stuff from the run of play. I think it's what you just touched on there, and I'll dive into it maybe a little bit deeper. The midfield is probably the most balanced midfield that they've had this year in terms of being defensively solid, but also giving you something in the attack. I like the incorporation of Bryce Duke in there, as opposed to Mo Adams. Gives you a bit more from a from a from a soccer side, from a football side. He has more forward ideas in terms of how to attack, how to penetrate, how to break down an opposing defense, the passes he makes, and the way he plays. And by having him in that midfield, especially over these last couple of games, the last few games that he's been he's been playing in. That freed up Robert Taylor to go into his more natural wing position. Now, Robert Taylor, naturally, is a left winger. But in this game, he played as the right winger, and he still did well. He didn't even look, he did not look out of place there. He was pulling off elasticos. He was pulling off all different types of tricks on the ball and creating all types of headaches for DC United defenders in this game. It was an impressive showing from Robert Taylor for my money, even though he didn't get on the score sheet. Might have been his best game in an Inter Miami jersey, and I think I think my memory could be mistaken. I woke up a little bit under the weather; my nose is kind of stuffy, as I'm sure you guys can hear. But I believe I believe Phil Neville said that that was also, you know, in his opinion, Robert Taylor's best game in an Inter Miami jersey. So I think by having Robert Taylor in a position that's almost his natural one, and freeing him up there a little bit not have to defend as much. Of course, he still has to defend, but not as much as when he's in the midfield. And having Bryce Duke in the midfield, you now have more soccer ideas, more football ideas, and I think you saw that from the run of play. Robbie Robinson was out of this one because of you know the, excuse me, the concussion protocols. But as we've said on this podcast, and I don't want to piñata Robbie Robinson again because we did it last on the last pod uh, after the Tormenta game, and we did it on the pod before that. But I think Robbie Robinson's a limited player, and you you're limited in terms of what you can get as a as an entire group when he starts because of you know that's just my analysis, my opinion. So I think by having Robert Taylor there and then Bryce Duke in the midfield, I think that gives you more soccer ideas, more football, and that's what we saw from Inter Miami. Do you agree with that, or do you do you yeah the, yeah there was more positivity there on the front foot, more uh, creating better chances, you know. Campania isn't isn't the fastest, but he's a good sort of focal point in in, in attack. And he combines. Just... He combines. He looks. He combines and, and then moves back in the box, which is what you see on the goal. He he, take, he receives the pass, plays it out wide, and then he goes back in the box. He combines. Which again, I'm not trying to lambast Robbie Robinson. I'm not trying to you know make Robbie Robinson the focal point of this podcast. But he's not a player that looks to combine too often, and and that gives you less football when you're not having those combinations. Uh, Lasseter and and. And Taylor do look to combine again. More football ideas, more forward-thinking ideas. At least that's my opinion. Sorry. And and they deserved it. They deserved to go to two up. You know, they were creating some some decent chances. Um, it's just 
that's just maybe a lack of concentration or whatever, just right right at the end against a side that weren't really in it and have been low on confidence. And like you say, they've you know changed their manager and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it was sort of the first half just wasn't, they weren't able to replicate it in the second half. But I just think tiredness crept in maybe, I guess, when you've got so much possession of the ball, it does uh, it does does tire you out if, you, if you're totally on it. But um, it was just a shame the guys that came in weren't able just to shore it up. And they got a set-piece goal at last. They got their first set-piece goal of the year off of a corner kick. Whipped in from, I believe, Gene Mota and Damian Lowe heads it home. Kisses it off the right post. We had been talking about that in the last couple of pods. Andrea also mentioned it as something the team needs to be better at. So they they pull through in that way. For Inter Miami's sake, hopefully that's a sign of things to come. Hopefully they don't go another 10 games without scoring from, from a dead ball situation. So... That's definitely a plus as well for Inter Miami, and that's what helped them get that 2-0 lead that looked like they were going to take into halftime. But again, they don't get that opportunity because Taxi Fontas scores right before halftime. I know Phil Neville said he wasn't sure where those three minutes of stoppage time came from in the first half. I would say probably from Kieran Gibbs' injury because he had to be removed in this game. We'll talk about that in just a moment. So... That gives DC United a lifeline. That brings them back into it a little bit. Gives them a little more confidence. And then in the second half, Inter-Miami, yeah, you could say there's probably some tired legs after the busy stretch they've had as of late. But I think they also looked a bit tentative. I think they were also trying to protect the lead. And look, to Phil Neville's credit, you know, they, they did look like they were losing control of the game. Like they were losing a little bit of control of, of the game when he makes the substitutions because he takes out Bryce Duke and he takes out Robert Taylor and and he switches to the three center back look. I get the idea of wanting to defend the two to one lead, but clearly it, it did not it did not work. They gave up an equalizer and then they never really created anything after that to say, okay, Inter Miami maybe could have won it late. So I think, you know, I think maybe he went a bit too defensive. I get there was there was you know, there was Things happening on the field that were showing that DC United was starting to gain some control. So I get the idea behind the changes, but I don't think it worked out as evidenced by the final score and the performance that we saw from Inter Miami during those final 20-25 minutes of the match. Do you share that, or do you think yeah. otherwise? No, that's no, that's that's. It's just it was just a shame, and I think um, you know there was there were good elements of the performance, but I think Phil Neville's, as we say, his aspiration at, at the end, he was really uh, he was really quite quite down because they need all the wins they can get pretty much. And I think he saw that as a as a good one, knowing that you know it's going to be a difficult difficult road trip on um, on Wednesday night um, for sure, and then again another difficult match on Sunday. And those changes, by the way, came in the seventy first and seventy second minute. Jovan Jones came on for Bryce Duke. Indiana Vasilev came on for Robert Taylor. And I think there they lost a bit of their football, a little bit of their attacking ideas, which, look, again, they, they needed to freshen something up. They needed to change something. So, you know, I think Phil Neville went with what he, he thought would work. It, it did not. They give up the goal again a couple of minutes later, and then Inter never really creates anything after that. So... Understand the idea, understand the approach, but the execution from the team just did not pay off. And like you said, they dropped points at home against one of the teams that's that, that they should be expected to beat at home. If they want to be a playoff team, they have to start beating teams like DC United, especially at Drive Pink Stadium. Otherwise, 
it's going to be a long year. We can talk about the performances and, and, and how good they are or they're not. But if they don't get the results, obviously, then then that doesn't serve them all that much. But again, I think based on what we saw, if they can continue to, to repeat this, at least from uh, from the attacking side, I think that they'll start to pick up a little, a bit more points. Now, let's switch gears. Primo to Kieran Gibbs because he's been injured throughout much of his time with Inter Miami. He goes down in the first half. It, it, I believe it was non-contact. I could be wrong there, but I believe it was non-contact. And he crouches down on the turf while the play was, you know, while there was still play going on. And then eventually the ref sees it and the t- and the players see it and they stop. And he has to be subbed off early on. So Kieran Gibbs out with an injury that you asked Phil Neville about. It was a groin injury. Since Saturday, Phil Neville has said. Kieran gives us day-to-day. The outlook is, is positive. It's not as, as bad as initially could have been feared. However, it's yet another injury for Kieran Gibbs, who has been with Inter Miami almost a complete year now, but he can't stay healthy. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. How concerned are you, Primo, by Kieran Gibbs's health at this point? Obviously, he's at an advanced stage in his career. He's not a, a young guy in terms of the football Conversation, being subbed out in the 29th minute, having to be replaced by Ryan Saylor. Yet another mark against him in his time with Inter Miami. What do you think about Kieran Gibbs's ongoing injury issues? Yeah, just just disappointing, isn't it? Because he'd worked hard to get back, and I think, um, yeah, it was uh, it was the back injury, wasn't it? Which he which he had sorted out initially, and then it's the groin. He just keeps breaking down. 30, 32 years old, and getting a kind of feeling like Ryan Shawcross here where he was just, you know, kept getting fit and then breaking down again. It's, it's you know, it's it's not it's not easy. Let's let, we have, and it's just unfortunate because I think he's a really good fit in this team when 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 fit. Um, you know, he provides good good sort of an outlet on the left. He can get up and down. He's good on the ball. He's got great experience. Um, but yeah, just yeah, physically he's he's finding it tough and um, you know, the MLS is pretty unforgiving schedule with the travel and everything and everything like that it's not um, it's no walk in the park and he's he's been struggling really so we, we don't know how long this setback is, is going to be i would have thought it's going to be too too early for for wednesday for sure but uh groin's just one of those niggling injuries which you just, just got to get right but if it's not sorted out it can be difficult to uh difficult to overcome so yeah I, I feel i feel sorry for him really because i think he's probably tried hard to get back and then you know to break down so soon after after that was disappointing it keeps happening though so yeah it, obviously the the label of being injury prone calling him injury prone is probably accurate at this point because again his time with intermining has been riddled with injuries uh, you know, just going back to last year i remember he, he suffered an injury fairly shortly after after arriving this year, I can remember off the top of my head, you know, he talked about having having surgery in the off season. Then he goes out with an injury in in that first game at the Carolina Challenge Cup against Columbus Crew at, in a late cameo appearance for him. Now he suffers another injury, and I think he might have suffered even another one before this. So his body's breaking down; it's not showing signs of being able to to handle the intensity and the rigors of football at this level at this time in his life at this point in his career I think the signs are not looking too good for Kieran Gibbs and you know hopefully for him hopefully for Inter Miami 
he gets over this 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 injury this latest injury and this overall injury plagued year that he's had and he can get healthy but right now i think the signs are not looking too good for him i don't know if he's going to be able to to get back to consistently playing given what we're seeing right now clearly his body's not responding to to the to the day-to-day of being a a professional soccer professional football player in at least major league soccer so i think there are very big concerns there you know I think his time might be coming to an end, uh, at least here in South Florida. Because if he's not, if he's not playing, you know, if he's not able to produce and get on the field consistently, then obviously, then the player is not really helping the overall team setup and the team structure. And at the end of the year, if he if he hasn't played all that much, I could see Inter Miami moving on from him because, you know, as good as he can be, and I think he can be good. I think he again, he's one of the players. You know, like a Bryce Duke, like a Robert Taylor, even though he's from a defensive position, I think he can give the team more football, more soccer in terms of his ideas, in terms of his his forward thinking abilities. But unfortunately, if he's not producing, if he's not playing, then then that decision will probably be made. So we'll see how how he how he does. I mean, do you think do you think he's finished? Do you think there's still a chance? I mean, how do you how do you view it? We point. don't know, do we? We don't know. We don't know. I mean, yeah, but how do you view? We don't know. Of course, we're not doctors. But yeah. from seeing from the outside and seeing that he constantly goes down with injury, he can't stay healthy. I mean, no, he needs to run. He needs to run. Needs to run of games. Needs to run of games big time to just to prove to himself and the and the team and the medical team that that he could do it. And he hasn't done that yet. So, you know, there's only there's only so much I guess they can that they can take. But um, let, let's 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 see what happens with this latest one and then um, go from there. Okay, well, let's do some very quick updates on the other walking wounded Inter-Miami players. Breck Shea is back in training and full training. Probably won't be available for selection on Wednesday night. That's what Phil Neville said on Monday. Was in the elevator with us, wasn't he, the other night? Yeah, he said, he, he said he's doing he's doing better. Um, but Phil Neville said he's not. he probably won't be available for selection on Wednesday against the Union. More likely to play against the New York Red Bulls. Nick Marsman is also back in training. He's missed the last few games with a back injury. However, Phil Neville also said Wednesday's probably too soon for him. They want to give him a full week's worth of training and then maybe revisit it on the weekend. Robbie Robinson was back out there with the group. Wednesday also is likely to come too early for him, so keep an eye on him for Saturday or excuse me, for Sunday against the New York Red Bulls. Amey Mabika, we saw him out on the field on Monday doing individual work with a trainer. So He's still a bit off, it looks like, although Phil Neville's holding out hope that uh, Mabika can return sooner rather than later. We also saw Georgia Costa not too long ago in a practice session, so he's working his way back. There was also an Ian Frey sighting in the team gym earlier this week, so obviously he's, he's a ways away, but also working himself back from injury. That's your medical update brought to you by... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Steve, before we... Sign off on this first segment. Something we didn't really dive into because we focused on on how well Inter Miami played with the ball, which was refreshing given what we've seen so far throughout much of this season. Defensively, I know you said there were lapses in concentrations, but there are lapses in concentration, excuse me. But defensively, what did you see from the team in this game? That obviously that they weren't able to close out a two to zero lead. Yes, they gave up a goal before before halftime, which which hurts their chances, but they still could have maybe 
closed out if they had been a little bit more solid defensively, which we've seen them be at times. Remember that game against Seattle Sounders? Although it was a you know different level of an opponent because they were playing a mostly reserve team. But regardless, we've seen this team be defensively solid. What went wrong there to not be able to close out the, the game in this one? Yeah, just they were, I think they were just pinned down, weren't they? I mean, I think DC had much more of the ball in the, in that early stages of the second half, and they just kept knocking on the on the door, and then eventually it just it, it it opened up, which was a shame because I thought Damian Lowe, you know, looked pretty pretty strong, pretty assured, boosted by the goal, and it just yeah, you know, it was just one of those one of those things, wasn't it? I just think that the pressure eventually told i think what the more and more you know you you keep asking the questions eventually it's gonna something's gonna creak and and it did didn't you think yeah and and look that that first goal it comes with a ball played in behind inter miami's left flank which was occupied by christopher mcveigh at that point who again is not a natural left back he's done a respectable job there but not a natural left back. He had to fill in there once Kieran Gibbs went out. Ryan Saylor came into the middle. So the ball's played in into that space in behind. It's a free cross into the middle because uh, Christopher McVeigh stayed very narrow, very tucked in. Didn't, didn't get out wide there. And then the ball is played to the middle. It's deflected in and obviously is pushed home eventually by Fontas. So it's not necessarily 100% on Christopher McVeigh there, especially since you know he's playing out of position. But he did have... He did have a part to play. He was in the picture. He was involved. He was in the photograph of the of that first goal. And then on the second goal, him and Jovan Jones, they, they get split. They get split by Fontas on the dribble. He's he's against the sideline. He the, both of them were facing up against him, and then Fontas gets by by McVeigh, plays the ball to Canoes, Canoes to, to Kamara. Kamara taps it in from from the six yard box. Again, not just Christopher McVeigh's fault. There's other mistakes defensively that are made there but the 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 breakdown initially starts with him so look he's been again a solid player for Inter Miami I think this season overall on the balance but he's not a natural left back and he's eventually going to have rough moments playing there so you know it's all the more reason why they need a Kieran Gibson State to get healthy or Brett Shea to get back which he's he's on the verge of, of doing so because they, they need to have a, a natural left back out there. That's the ideal situation. That's the ideal scenario. So, you know, I think I think it's good news for Inter Miami that Brett Shea is on the verge of coming back because Kieran Gibbs going down again. That leaves one less natural option there. Although Joven Jones is also back in the mix. But let's leave it there. Primo, we will take a quick break. We will come back and preview the game against the Philadelphia Union with a friend and a former Soccer by Ivis colleague of mine. Still there, but former SBI colleague of mine, Larry Henry. We will do that after this. It just feels disappointing that we just didn't get the the, the, the rewards that we thought we deserved. Uh, you know, but we, we move on very quickly. We've got a game on Wednesday, a big game against Philadelphia away. And uh, we've, we've just got to... Uh, except that the two laps of concentration which you can't afford at this level you know the detail and what we how you defend low crosses is vital we we, we work on it we tell them and uh i suppose that's a learn a learning from, from for our team okay guys it's that time of week again where we preview inter miami's next game and it takes place on wednesday night midweek action for the south florida side against the philadelphia union and joining us 
to preview that game, that Eastern Conference bout, is SBI, my former journalistic homes, managing editor. He's also a contributor for MLS Next Pro. He goes by the name of Larry Henry Jr. He's been a colleague of mine for a long time. We've worked together very closely, and we are friends. Larry, how are you doing today? Hey, Franco. Uh, good to connect with you again. Uh, it's been a long time, man. Uh, it's good good to hear your voice. Uh, but yeah, everything's going good. Uh, eager to break this game down with you. It should be a good one uh, to, on uh, Wednesday night uh, at Subaru Park. Two teams uh, both needing results, right? I mean, Union obviously winless in a few. Miami trying to get you know steady the ship a little better. So uh, yeah, eager to break it down with you. Well, let's jump right into it then. Let's just jump right into it, Larry, because... You say Philadelphia is in need of a win. Just looking at the standings right now, they're in third place in the Eastern Conference, and they're tied on points with Orlando and Montreal, both of which are ahead of the Union in the table. But they're essentially tied for first, just on points. They have a five win, five draw, and one loss record. That's the fewest losses in the Eastern Conference. You said they need a win, but... How has the team looked so far this season? Overall, I mean, they've 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 done well to get to this point. Um, you know, the the squad has been playing up to the potential that the fans and and a lot of the media expect them to. Right now, looking at it, uh, like you said, um, they are tied in first with twenty points, but they're winless in their last six in all competitions. Um, they suffered that. 2-1 loss a few weeks ago to Toronto FC, which is a loss that um, obviously I know Jim Curtin and the group wasn't uh, too happy with. I know there was some issues with the refereeing. Um, and But since then, they've tied their last four or drew the last four league games, uh, most recently against the New York Red Bulls, 1-1 at Subaru Park, um, playing against 10 men for most of the second half. And they, they let up a second-half equalizer uh, in that game. So um, I know they only have one loss through 11 uh, league matches, but um, this is a side that they want to be contending for trophies. They want to be up there in the best of not only the East, but in MLS. Jim Curtin has preached that year after year. Uh, and right now, those last four draws, they've taken the lead in every one of those games, and they've let the other team come back into it and, and, and steal a point from it, uh, whether it be at home against Montreal, whether it be on the road at, at Nashville SC uh, in their stadium opener, whether it be at, at LAFC. Um, so right now, the union, right, they, I know that they've had some some issues with, with the squad. I know Mikel Ura, the big DP signing from Denmark, has has been dealing with a little bit of an injury right now, so he hasn't been in the squad. But there's enough quality in this this roster to to not only play really good defensive uh, defensive soccer. Um, they're they're one of the best in the league defensively. But now it's about getting those key guys to contribute. We've seen it two so far this season. Daniel Gazdag, six goals, three assists. Uh, Julian Carranza, uh, you know, on loan from Miami. Um, I mean, he's been a fan favorite so far. Just. Uh, his production. That's that's um, so that's but... so that's so uh, it's so interesting to hear because over here he he was he just wasn't a big big impact player. He didn't make that big of a factor. Obviously he had Gonzalo Higuain ahead of him on the depth chart, but you know if you ask Inter Miami fans by and large what they think of Julian Carranza, I can't imagine that they would say you know he played incredibly because he he just didn't he didn't do all that much during his time down here. Now. Before we dive into the game a little more, have to note, 
he is ineligible to play for Wednesday night's game as part of the loan deal that Inter Miami worked out with the Philadelphia Union. So Inter Miami fans, you do not have to worry about going up against Julian Carranza. And if you weren't worried before, well, you you might you might be once you realize that he has four goals and three assists. Not sure how many of those are secondary assists. I'm not a big fan of secondary assists, Larry, as, as I think you know over the years. So, But he, on MLS stats, he's got four goals and three assists this year. So he's enjoying a pretty good, pretty good season for the Union. But again, ineligible to play on Wednesday night against Inter Miami. Good job there by Chris Anderson to, to work out that detail as part of the negotiations. But Larry, you touched on a bunch of players there. A bunch of players, and I, and I cut you off, but what other players should Inter Miami fans keep an eye on? Who are some of the standout players? Obviously, Andre Blake at the back, spectacular, but other players, I know you named a few there, but just other ones that Inter Miami fans should keep an eye on for, for Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, Blake, Blake, uh, you, you hit it on the head. He's been sensational. He, he's just continued to be you know one of the best. He, in my opinion, he's the best goalie in MLS just because the amount of points that he earns for the team and yeah. saves for the team, uh, goals against is zero point eight two so far. He's only let up nine goals in eleven matches. Um, defensively, the Union always preach defense. They want to be defensively sound, build from the back. Um, they have one of the best one-two center back duos in the league with Jacob Glesnes and Jack Elliott. They're tall defenders, physical defenders. Um, they don't make a lot of mistakes in the back. Um, so those two guys, they really lean upon, uh, out wide at, at the fullbacks. You have Kai Wagner who continues to be linked with, uh, maybe a move back to Germany at some point. Um, I think he'll eventually get that because he is really done well in MLS, just getting up the field, delivering good crosses, being one of the best one V one defenders on the team. Um, and then Nathan Harriel, uh, we talk a lot, we've talked a lot years past, um, even over at SBI about the amount of homegrowns that the union have. And uh, we talked about Brandon Aronson, Mark McKenzie, all these guys, Anthony Fontana, Nathan Harriel has just kind of come out of nowhere in the past, uh, you know, year, maybe year, six months. Um, he's got 10 appearances at right back. Um, him and Wagner are among the top five in interceptions at, at the fullback position. So, uh, and, and both of them don't make too many mistakes. They're both they're both really good at winning their duels, um, getting upfield, but also tracking back and, and being defensively sound first. So uh, I think the back line is up there with the best in MLS. Um, you have Daniel Gazdag, like I said, six goals, three assists, uh, really coming into his own now after when he joined the union. I know he had some injury problems and just kind of getting, getting adjusted to the league. He looks like he's in the right path now. Um, Alejandro Bedoya, a veteran of this team. South really Florida kind of, native, South Florida native. South Florida native, yeah. He's, uh, you know, hey, he's he's getting older, but he's showing no signs of, of age, in my opinion, because he, he's just like that that spark, that veteran leader there, covers a lot of ground um, in front of the back line. Uh, Jose Brujo Martinez, uh, who continues to be linked as well with a, a potential move, whether that be South America or Europe. Um, you know, El Carnicero, El Carnicero, El Carnicero Martinez, bro, which means like the butcher, because he's 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 a beast at that number six spot, just breaking things up, getting very 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 physical. So uh, I, I just oh, yeah. I just like I just like giving him that nickname, El Carnicero. <laughs> yeah, man, he's uh yeah he's a live wire for sure. He cover again covers a lot of ground. 
um, very physical defend, uh, you know, defensive midfielder and, um, you know, probably gets away with a little bit uh, in MLS. It's like every game we, we take kind of take bets on when he's going to get his yellow card <laughs> because it always happens. Um, but he, but he, but the fans love him, right? He just covers a lot of ground, um, really kind of wears Philadelphia on his sleeve. Uh, so those are a lot of the key guys. Um, right. Like you said, Carranza ineligible. So I think we're likely going to see the two up top, whether that's going to be Gazdag in a higher role and maybe someone comes into that midfield, whether it's Pax Narenson or Quinn Sullivan. Um, and then you're going to see Sergio Santos got the start against the Red Bulls over the weekend. Uh, Corey Burke came off the bench. Uh, Santos had the assist in that game. Um, so I wonder if Jim Curtin switches it up and goes with Burke uh, and Gazdag up top. Normally you don't see uh, Burke and Santos paired together they do a lot of similar things and Curtin likes to have one of those guys to bring off the bench because right now with Ura still dealing with a little injury um you know you want to have that striker depth because they're just kind of loaded at the midfield position yeah now you touched on something that's important going into this game is that Philadelphia has a very good defense and obviously Andre Blake behind that defense so they don't give up a whole lot and they haven't over the last few years this year alone, they've scored 16 goals and given up only nine. That is the fewest, tied for fewest, with the New York Red Bulls in the Eastern Conference. Inter-Miami, meanwhile, has 11 goals scored and 21 goals against. 11 goals scored is second fewest in the Eastern Conference. But, while those numbers stand on their own, Inter-Miami is coming off a game in which it showed a bit more with the ball. And I know one of the criticisms or one of the talking points around the union this year has been that they haven't played the prettiest brand of soccer. It hasn't been most aesthetically pleasing, but they've grinded out wins, something Phil Neville noted in the early week availability, saying that they grind out wins and they and they just get the job done. What kind of game should we expect on Wednesday night, in your opinion? Because the Philadelphia Union are at home. Will they look to be the protagonist? Will they look to get on the ball? Or will they concede possession? Because from what we saw in this last game against Inter Miami, they had a little bit more attacking ideas to them. They had a little bit more football, a little more soccer to their game in terms of knocking it around and trying to create create chances through the run of play. I think when you look at the union, right, I mean, they're going to be at home. They, they want to win their games at home. Home. Jim Curtin always preaches the importance of that in the regular season, and and now with that that winless streak now going on six games in all competitions, you know pressure is going to be on. Um, I mean, just just from kind of Twitter alone, seeing fans uh, on social media, and not nothing against really against Curtin, but just the guys maybe not playing up to to their potential uh, on the offensive end. Now, Jim Curtin has also said before too we're okay with having 30, 40% possession, whether we're at home or on the road, but we got to make, make the most of those chances. And I get that. Um, but you don't want to have, you're not, you want to be like, you know, a Manchester city have 80% possession and say, you only can grind out one goal. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to see the union be on the ball, um, trying to attack, uh, letting Gazdog kind of run the show, uh, in midfield. Uh, I'm curious again to see how he sets it up offensively with Carranza uh, ineligible. Um, I know Pax and Aronson scored uh, Monday night for Union 2 in the one nothing win over Orlando City B. So he had 45 minutes that game. Um, I wonder if he 
gets the start uh, or he's just going to be kind of saved for the uh, off the bench role. Um, for Miami, I think it's about, you know, just pressuring the union, forcing them into mistakes, um, getting your key players on the ball, getting guys out of position. Uh, I wonder who they kind of target because we've touched on it with the back line. They're really good um, at, at not making errors. Um, everyone's really playing at a high level right now on the back line. So there's not really a weak link, I guess. You look at the weak link, it's Nathan Harriel solely because he's the youngest out of the back line, but he's done pretty darn well against some top creative talent in, in the Eastern Conference so far. So um, I think that it's going to be a really good game for sure because both teams are going to want to win. It's midweek action, uh, Union at home, uh, Miami again trying to you know move up the table a little bit. Um, so it's going to be fun to see the matchups. I think there's going to be a bunch of different matchups around the field. Uh, and also eager to see how Miami kind of sets up now with, with Higuain back and also uh, Leonardo Campana obviously scoring uh, pretty frequently over the last few weeks. I'm curious to see what Phil Neville does in terms of his approach because if he goes with the away mentality, the, the generally speaking the away mentality of wanting to sit back and, and let the other team have the ball and counterattack, well, then we're going to see two teams that don't really want the ball playing against each other. But if Inter-Miami builds on what they... They did on Saturday against DC United. Then maybe Inter Miami will have more of the ball against the Union team that doesn't necessarily prize possession all that much, like you just said. So that will be interesting to see. Larry, what is the key to the game for you from a Philadelphia Union standpoint? What do they have to do very, very well? Maybe you've already touched on it, but if you could expand on it, what do they have to do very, very well, in your opinion, to get a result against Inter Miami on Wednesday night? Well, I think the main thing is with Carranza being out, um, you know, he's been so good at not only scoring goals, but just his ability to run the behind the back line, uh, hold up possession, um, you know, knock balls down, you know, with his head, uh, spread the ball around. So I think uh, he's been great for them. Um, Corey Burke and Sergio Santos are two guys that, you know, they, they haven't played all that much uh, consistently where they're scoring goals or having assists or making an impact. So, that's the big thing for me because when you look at it, I think if Carranza was there, this could be a very different game than I think what it's going to be. Um, yes, you still have guys like Gazdag and Bedoya and some other guys out there that could, um, you know, create some chances. But uh, ultimately, you're without Mikel Ura, you're without Carranza, two of your kind of deadly options at striker. So and Burke and Santos again, they're kind of guys that I think are more suited for a bench role in this team. If Ura and Carranza are both there and Ura's healthy. They're both going to be starting. That's what you brought him in for is to score goals. He scored a bunch of goals over the last two seasons in Denmark. Um, it kind of stinks because we he scored his goal against Nashville a few weeks ago, and a lot of the media, us media folks were saying, "All right, here he goes. He's going to this is going to kickstart him." And then he hasn't been in the squad since due to injury. So uh, I think the key for the game for the Union is obviously make the most of your chances. You know, use that possession, um, you know, uh, get shots on goal. Um, but also, you know, let the, let the two strikers, Santos and Burke, let them have chances. Put them in good situations. Because I think if you put them in good situations, they're going to deliver. Um, it's just been about them maybe not having the most chances so far, uh, you know, point-blank chances in the box chances. So I think if they get that, um, that'll do wonders for them and also do wonders for the union because uh, just the depth, depth at the striker position. But we'll see how it goes on Wednesday night for Inter-Miami. Larry, 
Very quickly, I just want to ask you your overall thoughts because it's been a while since we've gotten to speak a little bit more at length, especially in terms of soccer and, and MLS and football. Just your thoughts on Inter-Miami. Uh, and I don't think you've made it down yet for a game. You have not made it down yet for a game. I know you've said it's on your to-do list. But what have you thought about Inter-Miami's start to life in Major League Soccer? You've seen it from afar, so just curious what your overall thoughts are. Yeah, it's uh, been <laughs> it's been a little bit disappointing for sure um when you look at what they were you know all the hype around them all the big names coming in um you know it's just a a lot of that comes with just being a new franchise but the fact that it was coming to miami um there was a lot of you know glitz and glamour around it um i still think that they will turn turn right the ship and turn things around um obviously not every team is going to run you know come out the door swinging obviously i mean we've look at other teams like Cincinnati and some others, uh, Austin last season. Um, but, uh, yeah, it has been a little bit disappointing because there is a lot of talent on this roster. You have, you know, Gonzalo Higuain and now DeAndre Yedlin coming back, um, which I think was a great acquisition for him. Uh, Campana's been great. Um, you know, maybe see a little bit more of him. Uh, just need some to see these other guys, right, kind of. You know, rise to the occasion a little bit, whether whether it's uh, Ariel Lassiter, whether it's Robert Taylor, whether it's, you know, other guys on the offensive or defensive side. But I think they will write the ship. Um, I can't tell you when, though. That, that, that'd be a great answer, right, if I could. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's been obviously a little disappointing. And I know that, you know, you've been down there for a while now. I'm sure you've heard a lot of the same from the fans, the fans and everything. Um, but I think there there will be – kind of brighter moments for them whether it's you know this season moving along in the open cup i know they're in the round of 16 um you know maybe can try to get a trophy there can compete for playoffs at least that i guess that would be the the starting goal for them um you know with this roster but yeah been a little bit disappointed from them in the first the first few seasons yeah one one more thing to to keep an eye on i don't think gonzalo white starts in this game but obviously there's been some bad blood between him and the union right he made his mls debut he missed that penalty kick and the players you know celebrated around around him and he did he didn't take too kindly Mm -hmm. to that then when he scored last season in week two of the mls campaign he scored in that game and he did the silence sound to to i don't know if the crowd but to the team it looked like in general so if he comes off the bench curious to see the reaction he gets or the reception he gets from the Philadelphia Union faithful as well as how he does in the game and if he scores again what how he reacts to that so one thing definitely to keep an eye on as well going into the midweek matchup Larry before we let you go I'm going to ask you to do one thing that we ask all our special guests to do this podcast is known as Miami Total Football Radio I know you know that because you you told me you were listening to the pod as of late which is great I have listeners from all different markets, not just South Florida. But I'm going to ask you, and I hope you've been practicing, because if you've been listening to the podcast, you know this is coming. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to say, in Spanish, the name of the podcast, which is Miami Total Football Radio. Rolling of the R's and everything. And we're going to put you in the pecking order. We're going to rank you later on. So give it your best shot. Hi. Miami Total Football Radio. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think my mouth goes that way, man. (laughs) (laughs) You can come on, bro. You can roll an R. Come on, I know you can do it. We're gonna practice. We're gonna practice for for later in the year, Larry. Really quickly, 
Patrogino's, where's the best cheesesteak in Philadelphia, just in case any Inter Miami fans are headed up there on Wednesday night? Uh, I got to go with Gino's, man. Um, just because I, you know, I haven't been there in a while, but uh, yeah, I've always been a Gino's guy. Um, you know, obviously that part of Philly, just, you know what I mean? It just kind of brings that atmosphere, you know, kind of hang out, eat outside and everything. Um, obviously, tons of history. You always see the sports teams occasionally, whether it's the NBA teams or NFL, they'll, they'll usually try to sneak a trip to one of them. But uh, yeah, I'm a Gino's guy myself. We'll ride with Geno's till I die. Well, look, I I don't miss a whole lot of the Northeast. I'm happy back in South Florida. But I do miss trips to Pats and Geno's on away trips to Philadelphia when I was living in New York. 100%. And I would get one of each, cut it in half, and share it with somebody else. So that way I have a half of each. And mm-hmm. I think I prefer Geno's. I do think so. I think it's just overall I like it more. But they're both across the street from one another. So if you're visiting Philadelphia and you want very good cheesesteaks, although they're more commercial now and they're more considered touristy ones, Passaginos, check those out. There's other good ones, Tony Luke's, etc., etc. But Passaginos are the ones you, you should you should try. You should try, at least in my my opinion. Larry, where can people find your work if they're not already following you now? On Twitter, uh, LHenry019, obviously um, doing a lot of conversation there, whether it's the union, MLS, national team, um, always up for debates and conversation. And then um, writing, you can find it sbisoccer.com uh, and also MLS Next Pro. So um, we've got a little bit of everything in the mix now. So, Well, it's good to hear, brother. I'm glad you're doing well. We thank you so much for the time. It was good chatting again about some soccer, some football, doing it a little bit more in detail and in depth. Keep grinding away, brother. Keep up the good work. We appreciate you for coming on, and we'll talk to you again very, very soon, okay? All right. Thanks a lot, Franco. Appreciate it, bud. All right, guys. We're going to take another quick break, and we will come back and do the Q&A session after this. Okay, guys, it's Q&A time. Let's just do a couple here, but let's jump right into it, Primo. First one comes from, and this is going to take a little bit of work here, so it's a good one to start with. First one comes from Sarcasio de Año de Musk, and he or she asks, name the top five Inter-Miami players with the most upside over the 2025 season, including Inter-Miami 2. It's a pretty. It's a pretty big exercise there. You want to ta- let's tackle it together. That way we don't have to name five each. Let's just let's just do two or three you, and then two or three me. Who who, who would you put there? In with the top five players, you say. It says top five players with the most upside. So upside, obviously, when you say upside, you got to go younger, right? Because the older players, you 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 know, you've pretty much hit their their ceiling, or you know that they're close to their ceiling. It's got to be. Younger players. And if we're talking about players with the most upside, Noah Allen absolutely has to be in there, right? He has to be in yep. the conversation. Campana. Campana's fairly young, so you could put him in there as well. Uh, um, uh, Amema Bika. Amema Bika. Bryce Duke. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, Robert Taylor. I think Robert Taylor's a little more established, so I wouldn't say upside. I mean, he definitely has more upside to him. And, and you know, I actually asked him on Monday 
do you think there's more you can give, especially with the goals and assist department? He said absolutely. He thinks there's more there's more for him to show, more for him to give into Miami. But for most upside, he's talking about 2025. So we're talking about another three years from now. I mean, I would have absolutely said Ian Frey, but obviously he's coming off back-to-back knee injury, so we have to see how how he how he develops. I mean, Drake Callender's a good shout too, man. The way he's playing lately, he could potentially be a player with a lot, a lot of upside. I think we're giving more than five at this point. But Ryan Saylor, early return so far are good. I mean, there, there's some players in there. Harvey Neville. Harvey Neville, we didn't mention him. He's not officially with the first team. He's no. on the second team. But someone someone to keep an eye on as well. So there, there, there's some players in there. There's some young players in there that, that could, if they continue to play well and they stay healthy and they stay with Inter-Miami because obviously MLS is a league where it's built on parity. So at times you have to make tough decisions and move pieces on that you don't want to. If Inter Miami, if all those things happen, Inter Miami could have a solid, solid core for the future, or at least you know pieces, very, very solid pieces. So, next question comes from Anthony Armelado, and a primo. I'll, I'll let you answer this one. Who do you think is our strongest midfield trio? Off topic, off topic, but who do you guys have winning the Champions League final? Okay, so two two good questions. Primo, you're up. Um, I think definitely Motta, Gregore, and then Bryce. <laughs> is that a question or is that is that a... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so. But then Bryce could also play a bit further forward, can't he? I like but, that I mean, midfield. You know, I like loves, that midfield. He, he told us how much he loves Andres Iniesta, the, you know, the legendary Barcelona player. You know, quick, quick movement, tiki-taka, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think I think he gives a good attacking option, um, a positive attacking option in in, uh, in in midfield for sure I agree that I think that's the midfield trio that is inter Miami's strongest I think that's because you have Gregory who can do his job as the six and break things up you have Mota who can be that link between the back and the front and then you have Bryce Duke who puts in some work defensively while at the same time giving you more forward ideas and maybe even playing a little bit more advanced than than Mota so I think that three with the roster they have right now, I think that's the strongest midfield trio that they could have. And that's that, again, this past weekend, I think that's why we saw the game that we saw. Robert Taylor, it also allows Robert Taylor to move out of that midfield position and play more on the wing where he's freed up. So, you know, Robert Taylor can do his thing in a higher position, a more advanced position, and be more dangerous. But that's obviously when Bryce Duke is in there. So the introduction of Bryce Duke into that starting midfield has been a very big plus in my opinion over over this last over these last few games. So I agree with that. Who do you have winning the Champions League final, Primo? It's gonna be a tie one. Let's hope it's better than the FA Cup final, which was last weekend, which was an absolute stinker between uh, Liverpool and Chelsea. Um it's a it's a it's a tough one. I think Liverpool they're going for all four four trophies this season, which would be remarkable. Probably one of the best teams in the world right now. But to know it's it's a complete fifty fifty call. I've got really no idea. My heart says um, the Real Madrid will probably just sneak it. But let's I just hope it's a decent match because Saturday's final was hopeless. And uh, actually, uh, there's a big game on Wednesday night as well in the you know, Champ- uh, Europa League as well, Rangers Seville, which should be uh, also interesting. So expect a lot of. Very red-faced, drunk Scottish people at the match. <laughs> Wait, hold on. You said your heart says Real Madrid? So are you like half Spanish? Or are you a quarter Spanish? Uh, I like Real Madrid. 
like I like Real Madrid. People always say you should always support the the English team in 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 Europe, but um, I don't know. I like Real. Madrid. I, I do I do like Real Madrid. But if, if Liverpool win, it'd be a f- phenomenal story considering they're going for for four four trophies. Already so got... so Primo's a Real Madrid fan? No, I mean I, I like you just them. you just sympathise with Real Madrid. Yeah, you're a Real Madrid sympathizer, not a fan, but a sympathizer. You 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 would pick them to win. Um, you have a soft spot for them. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. This is a tough one to pick. This is a tough one to pick. I would say Real Madrid. I think Benzema's in the form of his life, and I think he's found ways to make a difference, even in games like we saw last game where maybe he's he's held in check for a good bit, but he, he in one play and on half a chance. He can he can make the difference. So, I think that might be enough to push Real Madrid. That that type of moment, that type of brilliance. Obviously, there's a lot of talent on both teams. So maybe it doesn't come down to that. But in a tight final, finals tend to be very close, not not so open. I think I think Benzema and Real Madrid get it get it done. Very quickly, and before we go to the last question, I want to ask you something about it's related to this, but unrelated because the the question didn't didn't touch on this but Pep Guardiola and Man City we talked about this actually a couple weeks ago or a week ago with uh with Darren Powell he can't get it done man he can't get it done with Man City despite all the money that they're spending they've signed Haaland now for next season which is a a huge coup one of the best young strikers in the game if not the best young striker but let's talk about Pep and his time with Man City what do you think man is do you think he's he's Jinx, do you think he doesn't have what it takes to, to get to the final and win again? Like, what, what, do you, what is your take well, on I'll Pep Guardiola and Man City? About, I mean, he's, gonna, he's about to win the league, so in the Premier right, League. Right, but, so he, that's, but he wasn't on. brought on to win the Premier League. He was he brought wasn't. on to win the Champions League. No, and again, you know, they were let down in the semi-final. They, had, they should have put the first half, the first game to bed. Um, and missed some, missed some great chances. He still had some good chances. The, the, the margins were so... So fine, it was ridiculous. But yeah, I think his his legacy will always be sort of um, decided on what he does in the Champions League. And people say, oh well, he only won a Champions League with Barcelona because he had that great team with Messi in his in his pomp. Um, no, they've got to they've got to they've got to win it. Uh, Haaland should definitely, you know, would he have taken those chances uh, if it presented to him? Yeah, probably. But um, you know, he's been accused of overthinking in, in the past. But especially in your football manager. <laughs> yeah, if he could see my Dortmund team now in the, in the third season, having not won anything yet, um, I'm sure he'd be very, very proud. But and actually, Harland has been fantastic for me personally. You know, speaking as a man, as fellow manager, me and Pep, I'm sure we'd be wild down the hours just talking about my my inverted wingers and all this kind of stuff. But he's got to win the Champions League, so it'd be interesting to see what happens next season. I think his contract expires the next season, the season afterwards. So. Um, yeah, he took a sabbatical after leaving Barcelona. Was living in New York for a bit, so he's not prone to just going off grid for a, for a while. But he'll he'll definitely need to sort that out sooner rather than later. I thought, but it's not it's not easy as he is finding out. You're so diplomatic here on the show. Weren't you the one saying that you read an article and it showed all the like the the recent eliminations and how many of those eliminations came with goals in the 75th minute or 80th minute oh, yeah. and beyond he's, he's over he's over been overthinking it big time and he's definitely he's definitely mucked up more, more times than, than I care to remember really but um he has he's he's developing he's a history and a trend of blowing it late he, 
and that's just in his recent you know Champions League eliminations. The, the Man City's in positions to win and to advance, and then they don't. They don't. And the, and the one against Real Madrid was, I mean, great, incredible from Real Madrid to, to get back into that and win it. But Man City blew that. Man City blew that. And oh, and, time, yeah. and so, look, I like Pep as a head coach. I like Pep in terms of his his style and what he he proposes to do on the field and the soccer and the football he tries to play. But obviously, if you if you're not able to get it done with Man City, and it happens in these manners, then I think there's serious questions that that have to be asked. I'm not saying get rid of Pep, but there are serious questions that have to be asked about you know how he handles these moments, how he manages these moments, because it's I don't think it's a coincidence, especially with as many examples as we have of him not being able to get to the job done. Next year is a big year for him with Holland in there. I don't think there's any any more excuses to not get it done. I think that they they absolutely need to need to be in that final next year and and hopefully for their sake win it but we'll see how that goes okay last question primo and it's on one of your very favorite talking points ready the stadium nope 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 it comes from dos knows and dos knows says what is going on with pizarro question mark exclamation point do you see him coming back after Iguain departs is there a mandatory sell Hate to waste a DP slot on a player out on loan. So we get to talk about Pizarro. Wait. <laughs> uh, how's he been doing in Mexico? He has I've, not I've... been doing great in Mexico. He did no. not he did not have a great season in Mexico. So did they qualify for the for the end of season thing? I don't believe so because he's right now if I'm not mistaken, he's taking part in a like a Mexico national team training camp it's not you know players that have been called up or anything but it's just to stay fit after the season has ended so there's pictures of him there so these are his numbers from this first half of the season with Monterrey or the first half of the year excuse me 11 appearances six starts one goal so not great numbers not wow numbers from Pizarro, who, I mean, I've talked to other people about this. I think his move to Inter Miami was a big mistake for him. I think it's it's brought him down uh, in terms of his level. It's, it's dropped his level quite a bit. So will he regain that level that he was at before then? I mean, time will tell. But right now, he's definitely not enjoying his best, his best moment. As for what's going on with him, well, he's on loan through the rest of the year. There's an option to buy, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. If that option doesn't get triggered, then he's an Inter Miami player yet again. So maybe he's not, maybe he's not done in the pink and black. But yeah, I, w- I would bet that that he doesn't come back. But you never know. You never know. Someone else that we need to keep an eye on, Primo, by the way, is Matias Pellegrini, because his loan with Estudiantes that was initiated last. April maybe it runs through this summer and then after that he's not on loan anymore he would then be an Inter Miami player and would then be a DP player based on the money that they paid for him so Inter Miami has to find out a long term solution for him or they have to sell him they've got to figure something out before this summer because at some point in the summer he will officially be back on Inter Miami's roster and he would I imagine, I, I'm, this is not information, but I, I think this is correct, that he would fill that vacant DP spot that they have right now and that they, I'm sure that they're looking to use on somebody else. So something has to be done there. 
something for us to look into. But that does it for the Q&A session. Primo, give your final thoughts. I'll give mine, and we'll wrap up the show after that. Yeah, I mean, don't want to sound like a broken record, but I just think it is funny to see Beckham. If you have a look on his Instagram, just the amount of every day a different country, every day just with a global superstar, just sort of shaking hands with him or having lunch with him or doing whatever. If it's not that, it's Serena Williams and Venus Williams and uh, who was he asked with Chris, uh, Dwayne Wade. And yeah, I just so just that sets into Miami apart, I think, when it comes to these big sort of you know, transfer stories, whether or not they'll be able to get all these big superstars over the line is, is one thing. But what's also interesting is that the, uh, the, everyone gets linked, but yet the team still aren't really doing that great. So uh, it just shows you that the, the players will come regardless of exactly what's happening. And um, I don't know, maybe that's a wider issue into MLS and um, parity and relegation and promotion, but let's not get that into, into that right now. But uh, interesting times ahead for sure. I'm going to say two things for my final thoughts. One is thank you to everybody who gave me birthday wishes, wished me well, you know, celebrated with me. Jose and Andrea, they actually gave me, they, they bought a cake, a small cake, and they gave it to me. Andrea did on Saturday in the press box, which I'm very thankful for. So thank you, Andrea, and thank you, Jose. Primo, now you know where the bar is for next year. You have to get, you have to get me a cake. I'm amazed that Jose had time to bake a cake. He's was clearly the busiest man in um, <laughs> I don't think they baked it. I think they just bought it. But oh, it, uh, it, it, see, I would have baked it. You see, that's where Jose. Oh, see, but you, you would have, but you, but you didn't. See, I would have made like you saying, a Peruvian chocolate cake. There we go. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Is that a real thing? Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, absolutely. Uh, and my second thought, and I'm not going to get sad or overly dwell on it, but uh, we dispersed my dad's ashes into the ocean. On Monday, and that was obviously an emotional moment. You know, uh, I miss my father very dearly. I'm the saddest I've been in my life. So if you have your father out there, Steve, like you do, this is just a message to any listener. Enjoy your parents while you have them. um, Because once they're gone, they're gone. So, uh, yeah, cherish them. Cherish them. Um, I love my dad. I miss my dad. Tremendously so. Just cherish your parents while you have them because once they're gone, they, they are gone. and uh, it's, it's hard to put into words, man. It's really hard to put into words um, how, you, how you feel once you lose a parent. I mean, anyone that's lost a parent might be able to, to share better or might be able to say it better, but it's, it's a different pain and a different type of feeling um, that I wouldn't wish on anyone, but unfortunately, it's part of life. Let's, let's leave it there. We will come back later in the week. To recap the midweek match against the Philadelphia Union. It's a tough matchup for Inter Miami. Let's see how they do. And we'll preview what's to come against the New York Red Bulls. So, for Steve Brenner, I am Franco Penizo. You have been listening to Miami Total Football Radio. And we'll talk to you guys again. Bye.